Here it is. Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris. They call me Chow. Welcoming you back to another episode. Glad you could be joining me. We do have a good show upcoming. We are kicking off the NFC Conference on these next four episodes as we gear up for the NFL season, which is coming, I believe, in 10 days, nine days from now. Uh, uh, we will see Thursday Night Football kicking off the 2020 season. I am ecstatic. I am excited. I hope you guys are too. I mean, it's been a long wait and it's right around the corner and it is going to be happening. I love it. I'm so excited. Can't wait to get started. Fantasy football drafts are on the, on the docket right now. I know that uh, this is basically fantasy football draft season over these last two weeks before the season starts. I have a few coming up as well. Um, I'm excited about that. I can't wait to do it. I had already a bunch go uh, last couple weeks, but I mean, those are concluded. I still have two more on my radar, and then I can get the season going with all my articles, all my analysis. I can't wait to get this going. Uh, But first of all, before we dive into the NFC East today, that will be the show. Uh, We do have some things to cover. We have the breaking news of Leonard Fournette being released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can you believe this? Um, I couldn't believe it. I mean, Coach Doug Marone, we get it. I've said it before. He is the problem in Jacksonville, and clearly he is buying himself time. Um, to remain in the position by blowing up this entire organization. I mean, he did it with all the star players on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, this club was, what, three years, two years removed from going to the AFC Championship game 2017, and now this team is nothing what it was of that squad that he coached, uh, Doug Marone coached at that time. Um, So the final dagger for all the pieces that were there is Leonard Fournette, and he is gone. They had waived him. Uh, he still was owed, I believe, uh, eight point seven million dollars. Uh, eight point seven million dollars. Four point. Some of that was in the bonus signing bonus, which he is filing a grievance against the Jaguars as they are trying to get that back due to a suspension um, that he uh, incurred. And and they're hoping that that'll void the stipulations that the bonus money can be returned back to the team. Um, as for the $4.1 million, I, I truly was shocked and surprised when 4 p.m. Eastern came uh, today. Um, uh, that would be uh, August uh, or sorry, September 1st, excuse me. And and I, I'm just shocked that he was not claimed on the open market for from any team. I mean, we we still have clubs that could use running backs. And, and it's not that Leonard Fournette is washed by any stretch of the imagination. I think the problem rests in the fact that he could be a locker room problem. Um, You don't necessarily hear much about it, but I mean, I saw some people on Twitter uh, from, uh, I think, the Roto World crew, I think they put out some stuff saying that he was a locker room issue. I haven't heard any of this uh, uh, basically in all of Leonard Fournette's career so far. He is only 25 years old, so again, that leads me to believe that uh, it, it had to have been they just didn't want to pay him the $4 million, uh, which, is, which isn't sizable for a running back who is 
uh, as talented as he is. He is a bell cow back, 25 years old. He's over 230 pounds. He can st- he still runs a 4.540. So I just don't see what these teams are doing. Um, I, I, if I was somebody like the Washington Redskins, I would have took a stag at him or a stab at him. Excuse me. I, uh, who else? There's there's a number of teams that could have been vying for his services. Kansas City's one of them. I understand they have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire there, but he's unproven. He's a rookie. Why not bring somebody like Leonard Fournette to be that powerful back? Um, there will be options. The New Orleans Saints, potentially, we're hearing that Alvin Kamara was also put on the trade block. Maybe that's a, a landing spot. I mean, I'm not buying too much into that talk, but perhaps that's a landing spot for him as well. But a very interesting day. Leonard Fournette is now a free agent, uh, able to sign with whomever he wants. Uh, and, and for fantasy owners that still have shares of him, I am one of them. I have shares of Fournette everywhere, and uh, I am really hoping he finds a good situation to take over. I mean, Chicago is one of them as well. Philadelphia is one. Even if it's with Miles Sanders, he is hurting a little bit. So, I mean, that's one. Miami's not out of the question. Um, the New York Jets, I don't think so. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's teams. There's teams that could be vying for his services and definitely should be. The L.A. Chargers are one of them. San Francisco should be one of them. I mean, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm curious to see where he lands, but there's there's got to be no question that he's going to find a team, right? I mean, he's, he's too young. He's too young to be just an afterthought already uh, in the NFL. But, nevertheless, let's jump into the NFC East. Good show on the on the horizon. I like this division a lot. I mean, um, you have up and coming teams in the red or in the Washington football team um, in in uh, the New York Giants. They are upcoming. I mean, the Giants defense is terrible. We'll get to that. But we do have the Eagles and the Cowboys, and I do believe that this is going to be a two horse race in this division. Um, to start with, I mean, I like the the Washington football team. I think they got a lot better. The defense, uh, people need to start giving a little bit more credit for um, than what they are. I think that defense is very, very good. But again, we'll dive into it roster by roster. So let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. Out with the old, in with the new. Coach Jason Garrett is no longer with the team. We know this uh, from the offseason. He was let go, and he subsequently signed on with the New York Giants to be the offensive coordinator there. And in return comes Mike McCarthy to take over as the lead dog on this team. And with that, he has an offense that looks dynamic on paper no question about it we'll start with Dak Prescott the quarterback position because why not Uh, the quarterback position is the best position uh, most important arguably the most important position on an NFL roster so I mean what do we get when we talk about Dak Prescott? I, I'm, I've, I've been a fan. I'm, I'm not over the top on, on what Dak does. Um, I think he, at this point, he's a system quarterback still. I think Jason Garrett did well in extracting everything out of his ability. I don't think he's, uh, if, if he goes somewhere else, this season is going to tell me a lot, and, 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 and that's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking, uh, trying to gather my thoughts. Um, because uh, Coach McCarthy is a pass-first co- uh, head coach, no question about it. He will likely be calling the shots uh, over Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator. I think it's going to be Mike McCarthy's show to run. 
uh, just like he did in Green Bay. But, I mean, that's to be seen. We haven't seen a preseason, but um, McCarthy is pass-friendly. So, in that respect, I think that Dak will likely uh, uh, put up quite a bit or the same numbers he put up last season, which was nearly 5,000 yards, which is extremely impressive. Um, Dak, to me, I mean, they had the contract uh, situation. Um, We'll go there. I mean, he's looking to be paid extremely handsomely. Um, Do we think he should be paid Patrick Mahomes money? I mean, I'm not in that camp. Not whatsoever. I mean, I know some people have argued it, but I'm not there at all with that. I think Dak is a very good quarterback. He's he's dual threat. He's shown he can run. He's he's uh, got a good enough arm, no question about it. His accuracy has been on point, and I mean he's careful with the ball. He doesn't necessarily turn the ball over. Uh, when it comes to clutch time, I still maybe have question marks in that respect. But I mean he's shown me enough to believe that he is a viable starting quarterback in this league. Do I believe he will be a superstar? No. I, I, that's kind of where I draw the line. I think he is in in between that um, uh, uh, great to, to superstar. I think he's kind of in the middle. He's a great. He's above great, but he's not quite going to be that superstar for you. Um, he gets a lot of attention simply because he plays with the Dallas Cowboys. If he was on the on another team and he put a five thousand, then then we'll talk. Then we'll have an, a conversation about it. But as as for this club with Mike McCarthy, I think uh, Dak Prescott will have another very strong season. This offensive line is still one of the better ones in the entire league with. Uh, Tyron Smith, I mean, he's still leading the bookends there. You got Lyle Collins. You still got Zach Martin. Um, I, this offensive line is still solid. I mean, this is this is part of the pedigree of the Dallas Cowboys and why Dak Prescott has looked like such a good quarterback because he has an offensive line that can keep him off the turf. That is so important, and people don't really understand that. Um, if your offensive line is subpar, I mean, look at the Denver Broncos, for example. That offensive line has been terrible for so long, and each quarterback that is behind center t- typically struggles. I mean, I mean, that's just the thing. I mean. Some quarterbacks are better than others. Peyton Manning did it with, uh, I don't want to say an inferior offensive line with the Broncos, but, I mean, it wasn't what he had in the, with the Colts. The Colts had a, a much better offensive line. So Dallas Cowboys' offensive line still very impressive. I think that they will get it done once again, barring health issues, of course, but, but they're still very, very strong. When it comes to the running back position in Zeke Elliott, you still have a superstar talent in Zeke and in the backfield, but I really wonder how his usage is going to tailor off or potentially tailor off this season because of Coach McCarthy. I mean, in his time with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, uh, the argument can be made that he never had a caliber running back like Zeke Elliott um, to give the ball to, so he forced Aaron Rodgers to be the guy to throw constantly. Um, I believe it and I kind of don't. I, I kind of want to say that uh, Zeke will be involved perhaps more in the pass game, but it, it's Elliot. I mean, you got to feed the horse. And I, and I think his time away, Coach McCarthy's time away from the game, I think he will understand that and, and he will adjust accordingly and he will use this running back because he's just that good. And I think that also helps Dak Prescott in the pass game that much more. When you have a solid, I'm all about the play-action pass. When you have a solid play-action pass going for your offense, I mean, that's how you get these things uh, uh, moving. You get the mismatches all day long and, and this is where Dak can, can break a 
apart defenses. So for my money, I'm still betting on the fact that Zeke is going to be 1,100 yards um, floor. I think he can still find the end zone 10 times uh, and perhaps catch the ball still 35, 45 times from the backfield. The receptions from, from Zeke, I think, can be a little bit less simply because of this receiving core. This receiving core is absolutely loaded, and we know this. I mean, Amari Cooper came in the trade from the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. He came over, uh, what, two years ago, uh, midseason on the trade deadline, and I mean, he's still good. I mean, he's still a young guy. He's proven. My problem with Amari Cooper always has been, I was a huge fan when he came out of college. I was a massive fan of his when he went to Oakland. Um, his issue has always been the drop passes. I mean, it seems that he has rectified them over the last several seasons. Um, it rectified that problem, I should say, over the last few seasons. But, I mean, the issue that I've seen last year with the Cowboys was the fact that he tends to disappear um, in the most important times. And if you're being paid, I think, what is contract, five years at $100 million, I need to see that consistently week by week. I mean, I get it. You get locked down one week, but you got to find those holes. If you're the number one guy to be trusted upon in this offense, in crunch time, to do the damage, they're paying you to be as such. I want to see it consistently. Basically, 14 out of 16 weeks, I, I want to see you making plays. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the eight catches, 100 yards, and two touchdowns, but make the plays. Make the plays that they're paying you to make. And that's and that's the one thing I want to see with Amari Cooper this season with the, with the uh, Cowboys. I think he's going to have a good role with Mike McCarthy. He is known. I mean, here's, here's the example I can give for Mike McCarthy and his receiving core. Is in Green Bay when we saw Jordy Nelson, we saw Randall Cobb, we saw how many other? James Jones. We saw the emergence of Devontae Adams. I believe he was still there for that. But this is, this is the receiving core Aaron Rodgers was able able to feed consistently in the Mike McCarthy system. This offense has the ability to be that once again. And who is the supportive pieces for Amari Cooper? You got Michael Gallup and you got rookie superstar sensation CD Lamb. So here, let me start with Michael Gallup. I will I I'll, I'll admit. I was I wasn't the greatest supporter of Michael Gallup and it wasn't that I didn't believe that he didn't have skill. I just thought there was a lot of refinement to be had in his game. He did it last season. He proved that from his rookie year to, to last season that he proved he was able to take that next step in his progression. No questions about it. He was almost a 1B to Amari Cooper's 1A. Um, it's, it's clear. It was, it was absolutely clear to me. He was making plays all over the field. He was that great supportive piece. And, and he was a great outlet that defenses couldn't just key on and double-team anyone. You had Randall Cobb last season to be the guy over the middle. Jason Witten was there last year. Both are now not there anymore. You bring in CeeDee Lamb to replace that. I am still baffled that the NFL allowed CeeDee Lamb to fall to the Dallas Cowboys in this past NFL draft at pick 17. You have got to be crazy NFL, 16 NFL teams ahead of the Dallas Cowboys allowed CeeDee Lamb to fall to them at pick 17. You're crazy. Out of your mind. CeeDee Lamb on my board <clears throat> was the best rookie wide receiver to come out of this out of this past draft class. And it, it was close. Jerry Judy was there. Um, it was it was very close. But when it comes to CeeDee Lamb, my evaluation, my scouting report, he is truly elite 
elite talent at the wide receiver position. He has elite ball tracking ability. He's got very good speed, and the only knock on him is his speed is not elite. He's not like Julio Jones in that respect where the speed is present every single time, but his speed is very good. He has great hands. His route runs are are, are A-grade, no question about it. His release is fabulous. He's extremely elusive. This is kind of what he does better than a lot of the guys who are in that elite category. I mean, Julio Jones, he will make one move and he'll burn right by you. CeeDee Lamb can actually juke you out of your pants when he has the ball in the field and he's running over the middle. Very good in that respect. He's got great balance and change of direction, just like I alluded to just two seconds ago. He, his change of direction is very good. Um, uh, he's very it's, it's almost like a slippery, but he's not very fast when he's slipping through these these tacklers it's 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 something to watch if you go back and look at his tape he's an above average run blocker and my nfl comparison for him was aj green i think he is very much on par with what aj green was coming out of uh out of college as well um but in this offense i think you put the three of them together um you're gonna cause a lot of problems for a lot of defenses no question about it Dak's gonna have time to dissect the field he's gonna be able to read uh and change his his progression as coverage dictates no question about it and cd lamb could be a great beneficiary of target share in this offense i mean what did randall cobb have last year i I, i'd have to go back and look at the stats but he was he was in the realm of 60 receptions for like 700 yards and and a a boatload of touchdowns i mean this this could be exactly what we see from cd lamb um i've heard notions that mike mccarthy might flirt with the idea to drop amari cooper in the slot which i don't hate um, that way you you utilize CeeDee Lamb and uh, uh, Michael Gallup on the outside and you allow Cooper to eat and feast right across the middle. I don't hate that whatsoever, but they are also interchangeable. Gallup will typically stay on the outside. I think that's going to be his role. He will be that one that number two outside receiver more often than not. Um, but the interchangeable pieces between Lamb, between Cooper, rotating in and out from the slot to the outside, I think is going to be unbelievably um, successful. No question about it. I think I think Dallas has a formula here, um, and, and then you add in Mike McCarthy with the passing uh, prowess that he's shown with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers for so long. Um, how can you not be excited if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan about this offense? Uh, if for fantasy football-wise, I'm excited. I'm taking uh, as many shares of these uh, gentlemen as, as I can. I mean, this is, this is what this team is going to do once again. When we jump to the defensive side of the ball, they did lose um, McCoy the defensive uh his first name eludes me um but he they lost the defensive lineman uh mccoy he went down in a in a training camp injury where he was falling backward and i believe he pulled his quad or tore his quad and then they released him on an injury uh payout a tough blow i mean he was he was still good i mean he was coming from former tampa bay buck uh i believe he played with the panthers last season uh, big blow, big blow. I think this would have been massive for this defensive line. But nevertheless, they still have Demarcus Lawrence. He is the beast off the edge that's going to get you your sack productivity. They still have uh, Dontari Poe. I mean, he's still going to be your nose tackle type of player. He's going to be able to make waves. And then they did sign Everson Griffin to add to the depth when McCoy was still there. Now McCoy is gone. Now Griffin is going to have to take a bigger role. Um, I still like this defensive front. I mean, you still got Tyrone Croft. 
Stafford. He can spell the guys as much as he can. I mean, Antoine Woods still has a role also. Um, uh, Tristan Hill, I don't know too much about him, but he's going to be a run stuffer, I believe, as well. He's slotted in at the defensive tackle position. But you, how can you hate this 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 front four? I mean, this front four has depth. Um, it, it, barring health issues, I mean, Everson Griffin still can still can move. There's no question about it. When you talk about the linebacking core. This is where I get excited about this defense more often than not. I mean, you have Leighton Vander Esch, you have Jalen Smith, and you have Sean Lee. Granted, Sean Lee, to me, is always the question mark because he's been injured so often. Um, that is still a major concern. When he's on the field, he's an absolute playmaker. We've seen it. He's tackling everything. He's locking up things over the middle in cover two. I, I still have... Uh, soft spot to believe that he can do damage um, on this defense but I mean my money's on Vander Esch and Jalen Smith I mean again Vander Esch has that neck injury that's going to be a major concern coming into the season no training camp no basically no training or uh, no preseason um, so is he fully healthy does a couple hits take him out after week three that's my major concern uh, about Vander Esch. But Jalen Smith has done nothing but prove his ability coming off that massive knee injury coming into the draft, and the Cowboys stole him as well in the second round, if you guys remember. Um, but this linebacking core has the makings to be uh, uh, extremely dominant, extremely powerful, uh, playing in front or behind of that front four. Um, so this front seven, if they can play it together, I was high on them last season, but with the added weapons they have, um, if they clean up the run defense, I truly believe they can do a lot of damage and help a secondary um, that, that is still also very good. They did lose uh, one of their major players on the defensive backfield. He went to the Miami Dolphins. So now they're rolled, but they did sign HaHa Clinton Dix. That helps the defensive uh, uh, backfield in the safety position. Xavier Woods, he's still coming up. He's looking very strong. I, I heard he was uh, he went off with an injury, but Jer Jerry Jones is optimistic that he will be ready for week one. I mean, and to round it out with your secondary, I mean, you still have Anthony Brown. He's got ability. You have Azuzwe. You have Jordan Lewis. And then you have young rookie Trayvon Diggs. I mean, this secondary is not as bad as people believe. I mean, they didn't perform the way they should have. I mean, yes, now you have Dix. Now you have uh, Clinton Dix. Now you have Diggs as well. I, I like this defense a lot. I think they're being slept on quite a bit. Um, and, and, and with Mike McCarthy, who has proven that he can get the team to the postseason, where Jason Garrett, that was his issue. He just couldn't get you basically into the postseason. Um, I think if Mike McCarthy gets this club into the playoffs, I think they could do a lot of damage. Um, it's about building that confidence, and they have the club to do it. Again, barring health issues, that's going to be the most important. Even if the defense does take a stumble here and there, under McCarthy, I believe this offense will be able to roll. I believe that they can easily put up 35 points a week. Uh, obviously, that's a tough task, but uh, 32 average, uh, 35 to 40 points a week is, is not out of the question with this high-octane unit. Um, I'm excited. I think that the division definitely could be theirs. Um, it's going to come down to how they perform in the division against their rivals, and the other rival we will speak of is the Philadelphia Eagles. So this club, man, ah, this club to me is something of an enigma. Um, they tend to always, always get hurt. 
Um, we saw it again last season. We saw it during their Super Bowl run. Um, and again, this offseason, we see it um, come to pass. And that is scary. So they did lose um, their Brandon Brooks, their right guard, um, to an I believe it was his Achilles. I'd have to go back. Or was that? I think he had the knee. Um, that was the problem with him. So they lose him early on as training camp opened up. He is one of the best guards in all of football, and he's gone. Then recently, last week, you lost Andre Dillard to. It was either I believe they had one of them had the uh, ACL, one of them had the Achilles. Dillard is now gone. You have no left tackle. You have no guard. And these guys are no slouches. I mean, they they perform very well for this offensive line to get going. Now you're missing two of your best pieces. You signed Jason Peters back. He was supposed to take over for Brooks at the guard position. But now with Dillard out, Peters has said that he's probably going to swing back to that left tackle where he is most comfortable anyway. Um, but Peters is also a grave injury risk just based on age. I mean, he, he's, he's put in his time in the NFL. We know this. Um, it was his day in the sun is basically ending. Um, do I see Peters playing a full 16? No, I don't. Um, is he a very important piece to this offensive line at this point? He absolutely is. Um, granted you still have Jason Kelsey. He is one of the better centers in the league and you still have Lane Johnson. So perhaps you swing Johnson to the, to the left side, but we, I I believe we saw him go there before, uh, didn't work out too well. He actually looks a lot better on the right side, but scary times for this offensive line. I mean, with the injury history of Carson Wentz as well. If he's not getting protection, I mean, that is a recipe for disaster if he can't have adequate protection to keep him off the ground and getting nailed by these defenders. So last season, we also did see the injuries to Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson for basically the entire season. So Carson Wentz was forced to go with patch-made options, um, and and it, it did work out. I mean, they made it to the postseason. So, I mean, that's what impressed me a lot about Carson Wentz. I gained a lot of respect for his game, even more than I already had, simply because he used second and third stringers, practice squad wide receivers, and he was still able to make it to the next level. News on Alshon Jeffrey is that he is, his recovery isn't going as planned, and that's scary to me. Um, he did have that foot injury that... Is has, we we've seen this before with wide receivers. I mean, it's a common injury with wide receivers. Um, uh, it's the bone in his foot um, that is easily rebreakable, reinjurable uh, based on pressure uh, and stress. So, do we see Alshon Jeffrey back this season? I think we do. Do we see him week one? I question it. I wonder. And then even when he does come back, if he is healthy. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. He still can play in this league, but injuries, we've seen it with Julio Jones. I mean, he was able to come back from it and recover and be better, um, but but Jeffrey is no Julio Jones. Let's just let's just not kid ourselves. When it comes to uh, just Deshaun Jackson, he looks ready. He looks like he's over his injury. I believe he had an abdomen injury, a core muscle injury problem. So, I mean, um, that if he comes back, I think this offense takes a, a massive leap in the right direction in the pass game. They do have two rookies that I am extremely excited about. First of all, we have Jalen Rager. This kid is unreal, and he is being slept on. I mean, I get it. I totally understand that his stature is what turned people off. 
But when you open up his game film and you dissect it and you look at it, his speed is phenomenal for a guy his size. He's extremely athletic. His frame for his height is absolutely stellar, no questions. He wins contested catches all the time. And this is going to be a dynamic in this Eagles offense that they haven't had in a long time. A speedy receiver who is stout um, but shorter. Um, I believe he's six foot just barely, but he can outleap basically anybody on the field. This is what you're going to see with Jalen Reger. You're going to see highlight play after play um, uh, with this absolutely unique uh, leaping ability. He is probably one of the better ones in this draft that came out at the receiver position for leaping ability. Um, he's a potential potential for being a, a NFL slot machine, no questions. Undersized for a wide receiver one, I still believe that. Um, I think that he has the ability to be a wide receiver one. I mean, we see it with shorter receivers. Um, definitely with how he catches the ball, how he forces the issue, I think he could line up on the outside. But I think in the in his first season, perhaps he is better suited for the slot to learn the game. Would it be a lot easier? Press could be an issue. I did see that. And his route tree is somewhat in question. My comp for him was a better Debo Samuel. So, I mean, that's how I see Rager. I think he is going to be something special. But again, he got injured also. He was return or uh, uh, he was trying to make a tackle on an interception from uh, the backup quarterback, Hurts, and, and he hurt his uh, shoulder, if I'm not mistaken. So I've heard rumor that he could be out two to four weeks. So he likely will miss the first two games of the season, if not more. Um, but he, when he, once he's on the field and hopefully he's healthy, I think he's going to do a lot of damage and be a, a very nice one-two punch with him and Deshaun Jackson and then having Alshon Jeffrey being the tall possession receiver. I think that's how that one is going to play out. On top of Rager, they did draft John Hightower from Boise State. This guy, to me, was flying so far under the radar and I just couldn't understand why. His comp, I'll start with his comp. His comp to me was Donald Driver. If you can remember Donald Driver, excuse me, back from the Green Bay days, um, this is this to me is exactly the identical player, maybe a little bit lighter, maybe a little bit leaner than Driver was. So if Hightower can put some weight on in the in the weight room, I think he'll he'll be able to match that uh, uh, part of the evaluation. But his speed is off the charts. He is so fast. Like I said, he does have a slender frame. That is kind of what what makes me. Uh, want to change the comp from Donald Driver, but I think I think this the the slender frame is something that he could rectify in the weight room. Like I said, his balance is fantastic. He creates great separation. Um, his back shoulder fade is nearly automatic. I mean, it's all over his film. He does it extremely well. As soon as he's on the same page with the quarterback, the back shoulder fade is right there. He high points the ball extremely well just because his height gives him that advantage as well. He always tracks the ball. His route tree is above average. He's a great punt returner, and he's a massive deep threat for this team. So even if you don't have Alshon Jeffrey come back, I truly believe that Hightower could be that replacement, but with speed. Um, for Alshon Jeffrey. So I'm excited. I, I really think if the Eagles fans are looking at this, you have a, a lot of depth now at the wide receiver position. You still got Greg Ward. You got Whiteside, Ar Arcega. I mean, he's still there. 
Um, so we'll see. I mean, you now you realize with all the injuries that they had, they needed to bulk up on the wide receiver position, and they definitely did that. When it comes to the running back position, Miles Sanders, we did see him go down with an injury also. He has been, uh, I believe, pegged to be week to week. Um, uh, coaching staff and training staff has mentioned and have mentioned that he should be ready for week one. Um, I'm a huge Miles Sanders guy. I'm a big fan. Um, yes, is he he comes out of Penn State uh, right behind Saquon Barkley. Um, is he Saquon Barkley? No, um, but he is more than capable. He's the dual threat running back that you want. He's good in the in the pass game. He can block on blitzers. He's he's great in between the tackles. He's very patient. He he does lack that top end speed that I wish he had, and I think that's when people would take notice. But he's got more than enough uh, juice in those legs to get past linebackers and safeties. So I mean, as long as health is the issue with him, and here's the thing. I mean, look how many guys for the Eagles continue to get injured and hampered with these injuries. This is the frustrating part if uh, being an Eagles fan um, is, is can you stay healthy for a full 16? Um, offensively with Carson Wentz, here we go again. I mean, when we start talking about Carson Wentz, I, I believe, I do believe in his ability. I just question if he can do it for the long haul. Um, that is that is it. I mean, we've seen last season kind of was something different as well. I saw him miss open passes. I saw him be inaccurate at times. Um, and, and maybe that was just because of the receiving core that he had to play with. Uh, maybe he was trying to do too much. Uh, I really want to see what he can do with a, with a full receiving crew like this with so much talent. I think he will be able to replicate that season that the Eagles were extremely strong going to the Super Bowl, if not the year prior. I think, I think that's the type of Eagles we should see this season offensively. And, and, and because of that, for fantasy football-wise, I mean, you still got Zach Ertz on this team as well. You have Dallas Goddard. So that's another aspect before I dive into the defense. I was about to dive in. Um, Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. How can I forget these two guys? When you have the Eagles now, they're going to be forced. So, sorry, let me get my thoughts together. Um, when you have the Eagles offensive line in such turmoil now, losing Dillard and Brooks, um, now you have to play double tight end sets. You have to. You're going to be forced to help uh, this, this, this decimated offensive line from getting hit by great defensive fronts, great defensive sevens. I mean, this is what's going to happen. Um, the Eagles still were the best league-leading team in the NFL, above 55%, I believe they were above that. Um, for running dual tight end sets last season. So I, I there's no question in my mind that the coach Pedersen plans to do that once again. And I mean, why not? Ertz and Goddard both are very talented in both areas. They both can block and they both can catch. Um, and, and that's what you want. You want those type of tight ends on your team. And they got two great ones uh, at the position. Um, makes you more multidimensional also. So even if you do have Rager back with um, uh, Deshaun Jackson, you play the double tight end set, you got Miles Sanders in the backfield, pick your poison. Pick your poison. One tight end stays in the block, maybe they both go out. Now you got mismatch all over the field. I, I like how the offense is built, but again, it's all predicated based on health and execution. If if Carson Wentz can do the, his job and 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 run this offense the way it's supposed to, I mean, this should be a team that can compete with the Dallas Cowboys uh, without question. They should be able to put up the thirty five points per week in a shootout contest with those Dallas Cowboys if they have to. So 
the issue that I have with this team, now that we're done with the tight ends, is the defensive side of the ball. This defense, okay, I don't understand how, and I'll start with the position of, of failure, um, how you go into this season with the linebackers you have. No disrespect to the guys, to the gentlemen that are actually playing at the position. Maybe you will turn my head this season, and I'll see the ability you have in the fact that the coaching staff and the general manager was willing to trust your abilities, but they lost Nigel Bradham. They basically did not replace any of it. You have Nathan Jerry, you have TJ Edwards, you have Duke Riley, and then you have two rookies who weren't necessarily touted highly coming out of this draft class. You have uh, uh, Sean Bradley and Davion Taylor. That's your linebacking core. Oh, sorry, and Alex Singleton, former CFL standout. He is there as well. That is your linebacking core. Really? Really, Philadelphia? You, I have no idea. I have no understanding why you let some of your guys go, but you did. You did. This is going to be your biggest problem this season when it comes to stopping the run. Any support in the cover two, cover three, you're going to have problems. So, Eagles fans, I'm sorry to tell you, this is my evaluation as we sit today, um, nine days away from the NFL season. This is going to be your biggest pain point, and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. However, where they can mask that inadequacy is on the front line. You still got Derek Barnett, baller. You have Javon Hargrave coming over from Pittsburgh. He is going to be your run stuffer, no question. You still have Fletcher Cox, beast. You have Brandon Graham. He's a beast. Still have Vinnie Curry. You got Malik Jackson still in the wings coming off the injury. You have Josh Sweat. He still has ability off the edge. And you got lots of depth. This is where you cover up those inadequacies at the linebacker position. I believe Schwartz is still the defensive coordinator on this team. Yes, he is. Jim Schwartz is still the defensive coordinator. So fine. I'll give the pass only because he is that good at calling defensive plays. And I think anybody who watches Eagles games will see that. He was a former Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator as well. So I know him very well also based on that type of film, based on watching those games. So, I mean, it's difficult because I don't want to say that they're going to be a terrible defense, but that linebacking core, I really have a hard time getting past it um, just based on how they're set up. When it comes to the secondary, I mean, it's hit or miss now. You move Jalen Mills to safety. You still have Rodney McLeod playing free safety. You you have uh, Avante Maddox. You have uh, Nikel Roby Coleman. And then you have you you traded for Darius Slay from the Detroit Lions. Slay is the big one. Um, I, I'm a big fan. I think he's a lockdown shutdown corner. If McLeod can stay healthy, this is the common concern. Can McLeod stay healthy and stay on this team? Um, I think that he can do something. Um, this LeBlanc kid, he showed out pretty well last year. And then you still have Sidney Jones waiting in the wings. So, I mean, they do have some ability. You did draft this kid, uh, Kayvon Wallace, the safety also. I think that if he can he can find his way on the field, he could definitely beat out Jalen Mills at the safety position because I am not a fan of Mills whatsoever. Uh, I've seen way too much film on him getting cooked by the receiving cores, 
and and he's not going to be anything special. Nikel Roby Coleman, another Buffalo Bill, former Buffalo Bill, former uh, L.A. Ram. I know his game very well. Um, he's definitely serviceable in that nickel spot, so I don't hate him uh, on this defense whatsoever. And again, Jim Schwartz knows how to use him. Um, it's going to be tight when it comes to who's going to win the division, but it definitely is, in my eyes, this two-horse race between the Dallas Cowboys and the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Moving right along to the New York Giants. I'm I'm excited about this Giants team, more so for fantasy football than I am for regular football, simply because this offense um, is going to have to keep throwing the ball. They're going to have to keep playing from behind because – this defense is so terrible. You literally have patch-made solutions all over the field. Injuries have hit them as well. Uh, they did just sign Logan Ryan, I believe, to the club today. So, I mean, that helps the secondary. So let's start with the defense. We don't typically do that, but I'll run through them quick. I mean, yes, you still have Leonard Williams. Um, Dexter Lawrence is an up-and-coming player. I get that. Um, Marcus Golden, he is still your Sam. Uh, he's okay. David Mayo, I heard he went down with an injury. They did sign Blake Martinez from the Green Bay Packers. I do like that sign. Lorenzo Carter is still okay. He's above average. Uh, nothing to get overly excited about. Um, and then in this secondary, you're going to have massive problems at the defensive back position. I mean, Jaquel, uh, Jabrell Peppers, excuse me, still playing safety. Now you, now you brought in Logan Ryan, so that will help. Um, but Montre and then James Bradbury, uh, I mean, come on. Grant Haley, I mean, these guys, they are not seasoned veterans. They're not proven commodities just yet. So unless I'm reading the tape wrong and I'm reading the books wrong, I mean, I'm not excited about this whatsoever. I think that they will have uh, immense trouble uh, creating pressure, number one, from all, all sides of the front seven. I think that's going to be a major, major problem. Um the, the linebackers aren't as bad with Blake Martinez there now. Now that you lost David Mayo, I think that's going to be a problem. Marcus Golden is your pass pass rush specialist on the, off the Sam. Um, and then you got Lorenzo Carter, who I'm a fan of. I think he's, he's, he's uh, uh, underrated. Um, but when it comes to the overall aspect of how this defense is going to gel together, it's just not here this year. Um, they will be one of the worst defenses in the entire league. I had them, I believe, drop down to 30th position for fantasy football. And, and I mean, that's going to be roughly around the same. They're going to end up being anywhere from 27th to 32 um, in the league for um, stats uh, once everything is said and done. God help them if they get an injury of sorts in any position because they really don't have the depth to back it up. Um, they are trying to rebuild the club, and it looks like they're starting with the offensive side of the ball. They do have another new system with uh, Joe Judge coming over from the New England Patriots. They did sign Jason Garrett to be the offensive coordinator from the Dallas Cowboys. I actually like the move simply because Garrett's not a terrible offensive play caller. His issue was in Dallas that he just he couldn't understand um, in-game scenarios as the head coach. Once you're the head coach, you got to make all those calls, and I just think that's where he struggled the most. If he can be the offensive coordinator solely and that is his role, 
Um, I think he does a very good job. We saw it in Dallas before. I think he does with Tony Romo and company. And I mean, I think he can do it again. I, I think uh, he's he's that talented. And yes, you have Joe Judge, a former, what was he, special teams wide receiver guy? I can't remember. Um, but now he's a first-time head coach. He's going to be looking to Jason Garrett for any type of advice um, uh, for the for the running the show. But I mean, when it comes to Garrett running the offense, I think Joe Judge is just going to let him go. Let him do it. I think that's why he was so happy to get him on board. I'm curious to see how this goes uh, from the coaching perspective. But from the defensive side, I mean, Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator, you have your work cut out for you sir it is going to be a very difficult season for you in 2020 when we talk about the offense so here's where i'm excited let's talk it talk it out based on fantasy football too i mean this is where i'm excited we will start with the man himself saquon barkley i love saquon barkley i think he is legit the elite could be the best running back in the entire nfl i mean um, he does everything well. He is he's uh, uh, extremely powerful. He's extremely fast. He's got great hands. Um, he's not afraid of the hit. He breaks tackles and he's got the breakaway speed. I mean, there's nothing that Barkley doesn't do well. Um, the injury last season, fine. I mean, freak he, freak injury, he, high ankle sprain. And look, he even still came back. That is typically a four to six week injury. He came back in like three. So for my money, if I'm starting a team, I have no problems having Barkley as my lead dog, and I think they will lean on him heavily uh, as they continue to get their quarterback, Daniel Jones, comfortable with the system and more comfortable with his receiving core. So as we talk about Daniel Jones, let's move to him now. So Daniel Jones isn't a terrible prospect. He impressed me more. Um, we remember the boos and everything. He was coming out of Duke. Quarterbacks don't typically come out of Duke that are successful. And the Giants and Dave Gettleman, general manager, took a shot. Did they miss? I can't say that just yet because Daniel Jones did impress me. I, I think he took command of a lot of games. He showed uh, great progression. He showed ability. Um, he has a decent arm. It's it's more than reliable, more than capable. His accuracy was on point more than once last season. Um, where he struggles the most is his turnovers and his uh, uh, progressions uh, when it comes to reading defenses. I think that was his biggest problem and inadequacy that he really needs to fix, uh, and hopefully he did this offseason. Um uh, Am I okay with how they built this offense now? I'm not I'm I don't hate it. And here's why. I mean, everyone thought the world was on fire in New York when they traded Odell Beckham to Cleveland and it was lights out. But hear this out, okay? I said this on another show when it came to how you recreate a wide receiving core when you have one stud wide receiver like Odell Beckham. It was no different than when Calvin Johnson retired and the Detroit Lions had to make uh, a superstar in the aggregate and and build more talent around the wide receiver position without having that key true superstar. That's exactly what the Giants have done. You have Golden Tate, you have Sterling Shepard, you have Darius Slayton who took off as a rookie last season, um, and, and that's what you're doing. Um, that is your receiving core. You are building around the three of them, Slayton, Tate, and, and Sterling Shepard. That's your three. You have this kid, Davis, David Sills. Uh, I think he's got ability. He's a very tall receiver. He could find himself in the game. You still have Corey Coleman, and I'm, I mean, that's whatever. We've seen Corey Coleman's work in the league. 
But that's how you do it. Tate is still your specialist over the middle. Darius Slayton has proven to be a commodity that can go deep down the field. He can go over the middle, and he can burn you and make plays. I'm a big fan of Darius Slayton. I think they hit a home run with this kid. Sterling Shepard, to me, is a problem only because... I haven't seen the whole thing get put together just yet. I was on board with him last season. I am not this season. I really need to see it now um, consistently to believe um, that he will be something special on this offense. But that's how you do it. And then you go to Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram at the tight end position. Nobody in their right mind is questioning the athletic ability and the talent that he possesses on the field. But that's, again, the problem. This is always the continuing problem for me. If you're not consistently putting it on the field, if you're consistently being in the medical room uh, serving your injuries, that is the problem. Evan Ingram has never played a full 16-game season in his three years in the NFL. Why should I believe that that's going to happen this season? If he does, I get it. Fantasy football-wise also, can he be a top-five tight end if he plays all 16? Absolutely. You will not see me argue that any time, any day of the week. He just can't stay on the field. This is his problem. His, his unique ability is in that athletic talent. That is his ability. But he cannot take a hit. He continuously gets injured based on how he's playing the game. He's not self-aware on the field, leaves himself open to shots, and then when he uses his athletic ability, those hamstrings and soft tissue injuries continue to hamper him. This is my problem with Evan Ingram. However, if he can stay on the field, you have a foursome with those three talented wide receivers. They're not superstars. Not yet. Slayton, the door, the jury is still uh, out on him. Um, but when it comes to Tate and Shepard, I mean, you have talent. You're not a superstar, but you're talented enough that no team can key on anyone because you don't have a true number one wide receiver on the team. And I don't hate that way of building a roster either because the Detroit Lions did it for years and they were offensively successful. Team-wise, not so much. The offensive line, I still have an issue here. I mean, this is another area of concern that they weren't able to, to rectify. They did have an opt-out with Nate Solder. I think I said it on a previous show. He opted out based on COVID-19 reasons. He will not be here. You still have and Andrew Thomas was their uh, rookie draft pick. I think that's going to be massive. He's now forced to play the left tackle now that uh, Solder is gone. Will Henderson proved to be a great and steady guard. Spencer Pulley is your center. Kevin Zettler is your other guard. And then you have another rookie in Matt Piart playing at the right tackle. So if this isn't a concern to people that you have two rookies playing at your bookends to protect a second-year quarterback, I'd be scared. I mean, that's, that's the fear, especially when you're playing in a division so loaded with defensive talent. I mean, the Washington football team also has a boatload of talent on the defensive front seven. I think this is going to be the problem. I think you're going to see Daniel Jones get happy feet. You're going to see him make those mistakes um, with his self-awareness. Um, you're going to see him um, adjusting too much, and then the fumbles are going to continue to be a problem. The interceptions are going to continue to be a problem. So when it comes to the Giants overall as a football team, I don't hate them. I think they're building in the right direction. If you're talking fantasy football-wise, I mean, you have Golden Tate and Darius Slayton with Saquon Barkley being my picks um, in fantasy football. Outside of that, I think they will contend for the third spot with their other division rival, the Washington football team. Let's move on to them now. 
This is a club that I am actually really excited about. The Washington Football Club. We all know what happened with the team name. They are no longer being referred to that way. So I shall abide as well because that's the appropriate thing to do. The Washington football team. So let's start offensively. I was extremely high. We'll start at the wide receiver position because I was super high on Terry McLaurin last season. And my faith and my uh, esteem grew for Steven Sims Jr. as the year moved on. I liked his game a lot. And when it came to Terry McLaurin, all the professional scouts undervalued him simply because the college productivity wasn't there. We see it this year with other wide receivers, and his name is Van Jefferson with the LA Rams. I will get there when we get to the uh, NFC West, but Van Jefferson is also a name you need to keep your eye on. But when we start talking about Terry McLaurin, I was super high on him. Everything Terry did well, it was all over the film. This is why I don't understand why the scouts continue to not evaluate talent properly because they don't pass your eye test or your system test. That's a flawed way of scouting in my opinion. Yes, I'm not an NFL scout. I don't know exactly everything that they go through. But these ones are just there, and, and, and they're, they're, they're ripe for the picking, and I just don't understand how you miss on a player of this ability. His speed was great. Hands were great. Yeah, okay, he's not the, the prototypical size you're looking for. His route running is phenomenal. His release off the line is great. His double move is there. I just, I just don't get why he was passed up, but Washington now is showing everyone what's going on. You have Trey Quinn. I'm not sold on him either. I mean, people keep holding out hope that he's going to turn into the slot guy. Injuries continue to de- derail him. Um, Kelvin uh, Harmon, he went down with an injury, so he will miss the entire season. Then you have uh, Antonio Golden Gandy. I'm up and down on this kid. He's the rookie that's coming in this year. I think he's got ability, but I'm I'm still waiting to see. I mean, again, no preseason, no training camp. This is what I was hoping for um, to see the evaluation on these young cats, but we did not see it. Steven Sims Jr. is the player in my mind that should take that slot position along with Terry McLaurin, and then perhaps you have Golden Gandy take that uh, other slot or other outside position uh, to replace uh, Hardman. Um, that's how I see this offense or this uh, wide receiving core move in this season. Terry McLaurin should take that next leap in his progression to be the wide receiver one on this club. Sims should definitely take and win out that uh, slot receiver position. And then obviously the third uh, outs or the outside second outside role is up for grabs uh, depending. I mean, they did sign uh, also Dontrell Inman. I mean, he's a, a savvy vet that has been traveled around the league. And then you got depth pieces at the rookie position as well. Um, or rookie draft picks as well when it comes to the offensive line i mean i'm a little bit scared i mean you still have brandon sharif i mean mogus uh, morgan moses on the right tackle i mean that's got to be your number one and your number two um the entire left side of the line i'm, I'm a little bit worry uh weary i think that uh that is gonna be something of an issue um and that the only reason why i'm so weary about that is because Dwayne haskins is your quarterback and he's still learning it's not that Dwayne Haskins is a bad quarterback. I, I think he's got good potential. He's got good ability. He's dual threat. I mean, he's not going to blow you away like Lamar Jackson is with uh, running the football, but he's more than capable of getting outside the pocket and making plays with his feet. 
Um, when it comes to his accuracy, I think that is it. The decision-making is going to be what I want to see improve. He wasn't careless with the ball, and I think that was very important as a rookie watching him play week in, week out. Um, he just wasn't careless with the ball, and as a head coach, I think that's the most encouraging sign for a young player of his caliber. With this, how this receiving core is, is starting to uh, shape out, um, I don't hate it. He has chemistry with Terry McLaurin going back to Ohio State. So obviously they've already built that rapport and we've seen it last season. We're seeing it uh, so far in training camp. I mean, Terry is actually cooking some of his own teammates uh, on the defensive back position and and. I'm excited. I want to see growth. I think they're they're not a pushover whatsoever. I think they will definitely challenge the New York Giants to be the third team in this division, and it's not unquestionable that they could even split a game or two um, with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Dallas Cowboys have them outmatched and outclassed um, wholeheartedly, but, I mean, depending on how the Eagles play defensively this season, I mean, they're going to give them a run for their money in some contests too. I, I, I wouldn't. Uh, put full money on them getting beat every single week. Uh, the tight end position is a little bit shaky. You have uh, Richard Rodgers and Jeremy Sprinkle. I mean, not a whole heck of a lot of talent there. Sprinkle is is decently talented, but he hasn't shown it yet, and and a lot of people are basically writing this position off like they're going to do nothing um, this season. When it comes to the running back position, here comes another blow um, with Darius Geis. So his inadequacy landed him... Um, on the street, potentially facing jail time for his indiscretions, uh, domestic violence abuse uh, with his um, spouse, I believe, um, or girlfriend. So, I mean, this is a this is a big disappointment. I was a Darius Geis guy. I believe that he had the ability to do it. I mean, we couldn't ever see it because uh, season-ending injuries precluded him from finishing a, a season in his short tenure in the NFL. And that's it. I mean, I don't see him ever playing another snap in the NFL based on what had uh, transpired. And uh, another young, youthful, potential career that could have blossomed into something has now uh, uh, concluded. Nevertheless, you have Adrian Peterson. You have this rookie, Antonio Gibson. You have Bryce Love. And then you have Patch Made Solutions and Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick waiting in the wings. Here's the thing about this backfield now without Darius Geis. Adrian Peterson continues to defy all the odds. He's an old man by NFL standards, no questions, um, but he's still he's still moving. Um, so if you're giving Adrian Peterson the rock to start the ball, I'm okay with it, uh, or to start the, the season, I'm okay with it. I think that he has more than enough ability still left. He didn't show, He showed a little bit less in, in the speed department. He's not as fast as he used to be, um, but he can still hammer the ball. He can get through defenders, and he can make those cuts. So, I mean, in that respect, I think Adrian Peterson still deserves the shot to be uh, having some sort of a role on this team. Antonio Gibson is that guy who everybody is now beginning to get excited about. He's a wide receiver conversion going into the running back position. I'm excited about him. I broke down his tape as well. He's extremely athletic. He has boatloads of speed. I believe he ran a 439 
40 time, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he's just lightning fast. He has the hands to be that pass-catching back, so he's going to have the dual threat in the in three-down territory. The issue that he has is blocking, and this is going to be the problem. He doesn't have enough time to learn the position properly in the NFL. Um, in, in my eyes, that he's going to be able to be that viable weapon um, in the backfield in year one. Is it possible we see like a hybrid situation where he does play wide receiver more, slot wide receiver outside, moving him basically around uh, the entire offense to create that mismatch? I could see that more often than not. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it transpires. But, I mean, Antonio Gibson is a player to watch. He, he is loaded with talent. Now we go to Bryce Love. Bryce Love, to me, was the guy that I was most excited about, even with Darius Geis in there, because Geis was so injury-prone. But with that said, I mean, Bryce Love is also coming off his own brand of knee injury. He has taken a lot of time to recover. I saw some film of him in camp, and he does look somewhat sluggish and slow, but perhaps that's just him trying to get his legs back under him after so much rehab. So I'm still leaving the door wide open because I think Bryce Love does have ability. He is a very talented running back, and he will surprise a lot of people that don't know him. If you don't know him, I definitely recommend you go back to his college days and look up his film because there is some highlight reels there. Um, defensively, when it comes to this Washington team, I'm very excited. We obviously know that Chase Young is the rookie superstar that's coming in on that defensive end. He is going to be playing with two studs in the middle in Dayron Payne and Jonathan Allen. Alabama all over this line. Uh, speed, skill, toughness. I mean, they're going to be very difficult to beat. Um, with just those three men, and then you have Montez Sweat playing the opposite side of Chase Young. Man, when you see, if you have seen any training camp highlights of what Chase Young has been able to do, he is literally making these men look like boys, and he is a rookie. Chase Young is going to be uh, one of your leaders for Defensive Rookie of the Year, no question about it, in my mind. He is that talented. I mean, we saw it at Ohio uh, Ohio State. We saw it on, on film, but when you see it against NFL grown men, NFL talented players, and the way he's able to dictate terms on that front line, I mean, it's something special. I think he's going to be a fabulous player, and I've always been a fan of Jonathan Allen and, and Dayron Payne as well. They are two supremely talented run stuffers, and they can still find their way to get to the quarterback. When we start talking about the linebacker position, they brought in Thomas Davis to reunite with their head coach Ron Rivera um, they have Ryan Kerrigan still rushing specialist he is phenomenal I think when you look at that part of that line you are going to have massive problems stopping Chase Young and Ryan Kerrigan from uh, getting after the quarterback this is what I'm talking about this front seven is extremely powerful they are quick they are fast and they can get to the ball uh, the play uh, the ball carrier excuse me any in any situation they can they can stretch the field all over the place i i'm i'm really looking forward 
um, to what they will be able to do. When it comes to the secondary, I mean, this is kind of where you do have that problem also. They will get beat. I mean, yes, you do have Landon Collins. They brought in Kendall Fuller from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Sean Davis, okay. I, I won't really sing the high praises just yet. Fabian Morrow, I mean, yes, okay. Again, I'm not going to sing uh, extreme high praises for him either. But this is this is your weakness. So if you are the defensive coordinator, I mean, what is this? Jack Del Rio is the defensive coordinator. We did hear Ron Rivera. He is uh, was diagnosed with uh, cancer. I can't remember exactly what form, but if he does go into um, any sort of treatment uh, for his cancer, um, uh, Jack Del Rio has been given the green light to be the interim head coach, and that will make them a defensive-minded team. Uh, more so even though Ron Rivera also is a defensive-minded coach um, in that respect. I think this defense is going to be predicated upon rushing the passer and being opportunistic. I mean, that's the only way that you are going to help your defensive secondary that has gaping holes. Um, You allow any quarterback to sit back and have time uh, to find their weapons down the field, they will cook this uh, uh, Washington secondary. No question about it. Um, That is the concern for me. Um, but this front seven, without a doubt, has talent for days, and they will make their presence known this season. I, I truly believe it. I'm excited about the, the Washington football team more than I am probably for the overall prospects of the New York Giants. Unfortunately, uh, for Giants fans, I don't feel as strong about their progression just yet, but I do like the the pieces they have. So, I mean, that's the NFC East. I mean, they have a good uh, good foursome ready to take, uh, take flight. I believe, like I said, the Dallas Cowboys will win this division. It won't be a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination, um, but the New York, or the, excuse me, the Philadelphia Eagles, they will be right there on their heels, but health is always going to be the concern um, we will continue down the path of the NFC NFC uh, we will get all these shows in before the start of the NFL season good luck in your fantasy football drafts um, in the coming week here and and let's get to it I mean I'm excited for football I hope you are also so on that note thanks for tuning in uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF one you can find the show on Twitter at ADF underground Thanks to all the listeners for listening. We truly appreciate you as always. And until next time, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.